With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Turn on the Jets podcast. 45 yards rushing on the drive. Here's a cutback for the touchdown for Crowell. And now, here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. And we are now joined by this week's guest. He is our lead X's and O's guy, breaks down excessive amounts of New York Jets tape. Not a fun task this season, particularly over the past month. Joe Blewett of Turn on the Jets TV YouTube, which has been killing it, thanks to Joe and his weekly film review. Joe, how you doing? Good. Uh, you know, just said it before we started recording. It's a bad day to talk Jets football after watching a thousand yard of a thousand yards of offense with the Chiefs and Rams and over a hundred points. But it's something that I guess we kind of have to do. We have to do it, and like yeah, like we were saying, it is like a different sport particularly going from watching things like Jets, Dolphins, Jets, Bills, to watching what we saw last night. Teams that are just built differently, think about the game differently, uh, call plays differently. Uh, it's it's really jarring to watch uh, on a contrast. And just having the week with the Jets off and getting to watch more of the other games, it, it's really not even just contained to those two teams. The Jets just seem so far behind after these past few weeks. And some of those are obviously personnel re- for personnel reasons but also from a play calling standpoint let's start with what fans always like to talk about the most the offensive coordinator is never popular here he's usually not popular with most teams it's an easy person to be a punching bag because fans usually don't want don't want to kill the quarterback too much particularly if he's younger and the head coach uh certainly gets plenty of flack you know here but in certain circumstances usually the criticism is reverted to the offensive coordinator now I think John Morton was okay last year. He had some pros, had some cons. I think he somewhat mildly exceeded expectations considering his resume coming in and the Jets' personnel. Jets made a somewhat surprising decision to move on from him after one year. Sort of felt like a a bit of an inside hatchet job. I think there was some type of personal issues with him and the rest of the staff and you know they they used the media to beat him up and I think help push him out the door uh, and then we heard a lot about how Jeremy Bates was this beloved innovative mind around the NFL and was going to be a huge step forward I thought Bates could match or slightly exceed what they got from Morton and that was probably too optimistic and I probably should have trusted my gut when you look at his resume which is really not all that impressive when you break it down in the NFL what has been your assessment of Bates through 10 games and how he has built and crafted this Jets offense comparatively to what we saw last year? Yeah, I agree with the with the Morton uh, point, first of all. And I think I actually did the podcast with you right after they fired Morton, and I didn't really understand at the time either because, like you said, was he you know fantastic? No, not necessarily, but he got the most out of a team who was led by Josh McCown. They're putting up um, 30 plus point games, you know, sometimes in that season. So I thought they actually did, um, relatively well with Morton. I agree that I think it was a kind of like an inside job where they wanted to get rid of him for whatever reason, whether that be Todd Bowles fearing for his job a little bit and that Morton might take over or just something in terms of like maybe just they didn't get along or 
um, whatever it might have been. So I didn't really understand it either. And with Bates, yeah, it could have been a you know a lateral move or maybe a little bit of an upgrade. So I wasn't too angry about it. But um, watching him this season has just been it's been it's been really bad. Uh, and the Jets do run. It's not like they don't run any concepts. And a lot of people say they they are really basic, which to to a certain extent they are pretty basic. But you know the Jets are running you know drag and follows and sails and smash and Yankee and spot and toss and pull and all these different concepts that we could that we could talk about. But the problem with the Jets' offense is they don't mix it up enough. Where instead of running those concepts, um, you know, frequently and, and changing them up, the Jets too often just go to um, the things you see on Twitter, where it's literally just a stick concept. Okay, just run to the first town marker and turn around. And teams are keying in on that, um, and they're also keying in on the short passing game that the Jets are running. And you wonder why people or people wonder why they watch Jets games and there's so many passes deflected at the line. It's because when the Jets are only throwing or they're throwing, you know, 80%, 90% of their balls within five yards or screen passes, um, teams are will key, on, uh, key in on the drop. So if McCown or, you know, Donald is taking a one- to three-step drop, if, they, if the defensive lineman or the front seven member knows that they can't get to the quarterback, um, they're just going to put their hands up. They're going to read the quarterback's drop, get their hands up, and get a pass deflection at the line. Um, and also with the zones that they're playing against the Jets, you know, it's easy to play cover two versus the Jets and have five intermediate zones because the Jets don't throw the ball deep. So uh, when you do that, you can't, you can't get um, anything open underneath, which is all the Jets are running. And the screen game doesn't work because you have guys playing, you know, cheating up in their zones instead of cheating back in their zones, like, you know, bailing at the line or something like that. So um, the short game isn't working. And then also with the, with the third downs that we've seen, or the Jets over the last three games, and it's, it's hard because false starts um, obviously set the Jets back. Um, the inconsistent run game, to say the least, has set the Jets back. But there's way too many times where I'm watching the Jets on film, and it'll be third down, the Jets will go five wide, and then they run you know three of the five routes short of the sticks. And it's not even you know three routes that are corresponding with the deeper routes, um, you know, maybe like a, like a cab or a smash or, or Hoff concepts that you, that you see, um, which we can go and agree or detail if you want to, but they, they'll take three individual routes, like a, you know, a short out, a flat and a hitch, and then run one concept to one side. Like there was a time versus Miami where they ran a crease concept uh, to the right side of the field versus soft cover three, and then you had three guys running, you know, routes within five yards um, of the line of scrimmage when it was like third and 13. That's when Donald threw a pick over the middle um, because he was trying to force a ball. So the Jets are really not helping um, Sam Donald in a lot of ways, whether it be contests for the running game, um, you know, false starts, penalties, drops. So I, I feel bad for the kid, and I don't, I don't see anything um, from this offense, especially moving forward, um, that I really have – uh, you know, confidence in, in Bates to, you know, turn this around because you hear a lot with like first year offensive coordinators, first year quarterbacks, wherever it may be, that the team is, you know, they're new and, you know, all, all these coaches are not going to know what to expect from them. And it's, it's going to be, in, in, um, you know, it's going to be brand new offense that people aren't used to seeing and the Jets are going to expose them and the Jets will figure it out after like three games. So I just, I don't see where this offense is going. I think they do need to make a change from Bates, which I hope they do. If they don't, we're going to have big problems because he's not a bright offensive mind. Even there's even times where we see Robbie Anderson's on end arounds and things like that, who is one of the worst yak guys probably in the NFL. So looking around, 
at the rest of this offense. And we, we talked about this a little bit last time in regards to last year. Who are the one or two players who are playing better than the general consensus uh, from Jet fans? And who are one or two players who are playing worse or not quite as good as Jet fans make them out to be? I think sometimes when everything is so bad as it's been the past four weeks, it's kind of easy to lose in the shuffle who might be actually playing a right and who might be uh, actually a letdown comparatively uh, to who we expect them to be. Are you talking about on the whole team or just the offense? Just the offense for now. Just the offense? I would I would honestly say, and, and some of me being a homer and wanting Donald to be really good, um, I think Donald is playing better than people expect. Um, and when I watch the games, some of the some of the reads I see him make um, are, are really impressive. Some of the, um, you know, the quick movement through the, you know, in and out of the pocket. Um, keeping his eyes downfield, accuracy, velocity, the fact that he bounces back after interceptions. Uh, he didn't, I think he only has one fumble this year, but I think that's actually a bad snap from Spencer Long where he couldn't hand it off to Crowell where they, 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 or they, um, you know, hit Donald with the fumble. But there's only really, I would say like two and a half games where he played poorly, um, where I really wanted to see much more. And that was the second Miami game, um, the second half of the Browns game. And then the Jaguars games where he really, really struggled. But he, like I say, he's also not getting help. And, you know, watching these games, I think it was the Colts game where he was like 10 for 22. And I said that was actually probably his best game that he played as a Jet. So I think people just look at stats and they want to, you know, assume that stats really mean everything um, without really watching the, the game tape. And with what he's had on this team, and we just talked about the offense a little bit, but with the weapons as well. Um, he really hasn't had much to work with. And people were worried about, you know, this week going into the Bills game a little bit, like, okay, well, you know, if Josh McCown lifts him up a little bit, did that say a lot about Sam Donald's progression and where he really is? And people were a little bit kind of nervous about it. Josh McCown went in there and struggled just as much as Sam Donald did in any games. Um, this is the Josh McCown who, you know, listen, he's not Patrick Mahomes, but at the same time last year, he did look decent. I think he would have been nine, um, nine interceptions and 18 um, touchdowns, so he was, you know, relatively, um, you know, decent last year. I guess you could say. So Do- I think Donald's been better than people um, have have thought he was going to, or not not better than people thought he was going to be. I think they're, he's he's been playing better than people think he is right now. A lot of people are talking like benching and stuff like that. I think that's absolutely crazy. Um, another guy for the offense, I guess. I guess you can say um, Chris Herndon is a is a guy who is playing better um, than a lot of people realize because it's not. He's not, you know, necessarily lighting up the the world, but in terms of Jets tight ends, um, he's he's been one of the better ones we've had, and he's you know fourth round um, rookie. So you know, after that Miami game where he had that big drop and and that you know kind of questionable play where he didn't turn up uh, the field the right way to try to get a touchdown, um, but after that point, he's been he's been really really good. He's been pretty good um, in the pass blocking game as, as well. Um, so I think that's something that people don't notice is him in the pass blocking game. Uh, making some consistent catches, running some good routes, uh, flashing some nice hands. So I would say two rookies, which is obviously a positive um, because, you know, you just need young guys to perform, and that's what's happening. So I would say those two guys, it's kind of hard to pick from an offense that <laughs> has put up um, the recent, you know, showings that they have. Um, now, in terms of disappointment, that's 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 pretty easy one. Uh, it's It's – Pretty much everybody, uh, honestly. It's everybody's um, disappointing at, at this point. Uh, Crowell has been absolutely terrible. I've seen that you've 
um, you know, put up a lot of stats and his yards per carry and what he's done minus the Denver game. And his yards per carry is, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like it's like two and a half or low threes or whatever it was. So that's that's been crazy. And obviously the offensive line is not helping him a lot, but he does show inconsistent vision um, pretty consistently. And the offensive line, obviously Spencer Long um, has been a massive disappointment. Uh, Calvin Beecham's an okay pass blocker at best. He's a terrible run blocker. Shell is kind of in the same category as Beecham. Um, Winters is okay at the very best, and Carpenter is gone next year. So I think the entire offense, minus a few players, has been you know disappointing. I know you asked for one or two players, but <laughs> really, really the whole offense just comes to mind when you talk about disappointing. Yeah, I think Crowell is one of these guys that and it's you know he had that crazy outlier game against Denver and the one run against Detroit, but really outside of you know four or five plays this year, he's been a thoroughly below average starting running back. And I do think it's good the Jets can get out of that contract after one year, you know, whatever they end up doing at running back, let's say they actually do go get Bell more than happy with McGuire as sort of that complimentary back uh, to him. I don't think Crowell is someone you necessarily need to keep around. And it's just, I think what's frustrating and what I'm trying to remind Jet fans is that they had a hundred million dollars in cap space last year. I mean, a little less than they're going to have this year. And that haul that they came back with was Tremaine Johnson, Spencer Long, Isaiah Crowell, Terrell Pryor, yeah. and Avery Williamson. And out of those five were the mm-hmm. five biggest they spent on. Really only Williamson, I would say, has played to the standard or above the standard of his contract. Everyone else has kind of been, to put it politely, a bit of an unmitigated disaster. And that, that is what happens a lot in free agency. There's a small amount of difference makers, and you're competing with a lot of different teams for them. And you could end up with a scenario where... You don't really get any of them, and then you're dipping into that second and third tier and getting guys who are you know, not ultimately worth their contract and not performing to the necessary standards. Uh, defensively, on the other side of the football, these, these would be sort of my hot takes from watching this unit, and tell me which are wrong and which are right based on digging a little deeper in the tape. The team was playing better defensively when – the weeks that Rodgers was out and Bulls seemed to be a little more hands-on with the play calling. Dale Roberts mm-hmm. has been arguably just arguably their best outside corner alongside Claiborne, who's probably would have that title, but Roberts has been substantially better than anybody else. They put out there um, since his huge game week one, Darren Lee has been fairly average in the middle, and Leonard mm-hmm. Williams is not consistently enough a difference maker for someone who was a six overall pick in the draft, despite still being a solid starter. Yeah, I, I agree with all of those. Um, Leonard Williams is a player who's like a borderline pro bowler, a guy who, you know, makes a difference in some games and in some games he just doesn't show up. Um, but he's still, you know, solid. But when you're talking in terms of like the guys like the Fletcher Cox contracts that we've, that we've seen, and even guys that we saw, you know, when they were first drafted the first couple of years, Sheldon Richardson and Muhammad Wilkerson, I think, were both better players um, than Leonard Williams. So Leonard Williams has been a disappointment for for the sixth overall pick. That there's no doubt about that. You'd want him to be a Pro Bowl type talent, especially with him coming out of USC and being so young. People are talking about him, you know, being the next big thing, and he's just been kind of, you know, he's been solid. He's good. Don't get me wrong, but he's not a, he's not a consistent di- difference maker. We really have to you know, unload your wallet to get him back. Well, and I think the Jets will, but I don't think they should pay top, top dollar for him because he's not that much of a difference maker. Um, Lee has been, yeah, he's been okay. Um, and I think what's kind of happening with Lee 
um, especially the first couple of weeks, is that we were so used to uh, seeing him play so poorly that when he plays okay, um, people are saying that he's playing great. Um, they're kind of overvaluing what he's doing. He's he's still playing, like, like you said, just okay. Um, and he's definitely a replaceable player at this point. He doesn't really make a lot of impact plays where you'd expect a guy like him with the Jets drafted him for and his speed and his athleticism to be a guy um, you know, flashing on the field and making a ton of a ton of plays, like a you know, like Kelvin Smith or whoever you want, um, you know, to name one of those fast middle linebackers. But he doesn't really show up a lot on film unless there's some you know lapses in coverages or there you know he'll blow up a screen or two um, every now and again. But he doesn't flash enough as he, as he really should with his athleticism, I believe. And then in terms of the secondary, yeah, one of the things, one of the hills I've been dying on is that Claiborne has been bailed out a lot this season. Um, and people look at the, the completion percentage against him and pro football focus and all these things. Um, but when you actually really watch the film, he's been bailed out numerous times, whether it be a bad throw, a, a missed read where the quarterback doesn't see the wide receiver open, um, or, you know, a drop, just a, just an easy drop by the receiver. And it's happened numerous times every single game. Uh, I've been breaking it down for, for weeks upon weeks upon weeks where, um, Claiborne is thought of as, as, you know, by some, um, might, might be few, but it's still by some where they're thinking that he's a, you know, one of the top press corners in the league. And, you know, he's number one. He's been taking over really well for Tremaine Johnson. I think at best he's been an okay number two this season. Um, he has a lot of technique problems that, that, you know, myself and Marcus go over on the show every single week. So he's been, you know, extremely inconsistent. Uh, and then Roberts, yeah, he's been, he's definitely been a, a surprise. Uh, he's, he definitely flashes athletic ability. He did that, you know, for his, his uh, last year with the Jets as well. And he's been playing better than people expected. And he's a guy who, you know, he's a solid, you know, fourth or fifth corner, but he shouldn't be your number one or two. But that's not, you know, knocking what you're saying. I agree that he's, he's probably been number one or two. He's definitely been better than Tremaine Johnson at this point, which is, you know, uh, uh, just an embarrassment, honestly. So I, I like Roberts as well. Another guy I'd like to see a little bit more is Rashad Robinson, another guy with really great athleticism. Um, I'd like to see him on the field a little bit more. But, um, yeah, Roberts has definitely been a, a surprise from athleticism, from technique. He's, he's, he's got a little bit more um, sound in his technique where he's not opening up his hips um, as quickly as he did last year. And he's, he's um, you know, pressing the, the stem of the wide receiver um, more, and it's resulted in some more plays, some more breakups, um, some more pass deflections, et cetera. So I, I agree with your statement on, you know, Roberts. How good is Jamal Adams, and how much better is he this year than he was last year? I know it's a bit of a hard thing to do league-wide comparatively because we really don't get to go in-depth on how other safeties are playing. I always find talking about Adams to be a difficult thing as someone who both covers this team and tries to cover them somewhat objectively and is also a fan of this team. Has I like watching Jamal Adams play. I like the energy he brings. He's an easy guy to root for. And I do think he's a very good football player. At the same time, I think the thinking that taking him at six and that he's a generational talent and a generational safety uh, and an elite player already is very overdone. You can't tell me he's a generational safety when arguably a year later, a guy like Derwin James is playing better than him as a rookie or very comparable to him. And you have a guy like Eddie Jackson who has 
I don't know, four or five interceptions already, two defensive touchdowns. Uh, a hand, he's made more plays, I would say, overall. Doesn't necessarily mean he's been a better player. Obviously, they do somewhat different things in their defenses, and uh, Jackson has more talent around him. I just, you know, yeah. whether it's Marcus Williams or Johnson on the Rams, there just seem to be a lot of other young safeties who are playing within the same ballpark of him. I tend to think of Adams as a guy who is probably somewhere between the seventh and twelfth best safety in the NFL, who does a lot, who's still much better in the box than he is in coverage, doesn't quite make mm-hmm. as many big plays as you'd like to see from someone who was taken sixth overall, but is the least of the Jet problems. Where does he sort of fit in overall to the equation? Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that like that seven to twelve or seventh to twelfth range is, is pretty accurate. Um, and he's not yet a generational talent. You're talking about generational talent. You're talking about guys like you know Troy Palomalo or Ed Reed or guys like Earl Thomas or Brian Dawkins, like you know those type of those type of safeties. And you know Jamal Adams, he I think a lot of people think he's really really great because when you're watching the broadcast angle, it's really easy to see him on on film because he's a quasi you know weak side linebacker. He's playing in the box a ton. He shoots the gaps. Um, he times snaps really well. He's in the backfield a ton. So he makes a ton of plays in the run game. That's, that's the obvious thing. We all know that he makes a ton of plays in the run game. But making a ton of plays in the run game doesn't make you a generational talent. You have to be all around, uh, an all around safety. And in times that in coverage, I, I would, I, I would say he's average to below average in coverage still. I'm not going to lie. I just, he has a lot of technique problems. Um, it pops up on film where he'll, he'll leave his zones if he, if he thinks the quarterback is going to scramble, he'll 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 bite up in his zone and leave his zone. Um, he doesn't test things off correctly all the time. He's way too hoppy with, with his technique um, when he's playing tight ends, where he tries to get you know he gets really hoppy at the top of the route where you want to see him really you know settle down and use his athleticism against tight ends. He tries to you know get a you know kind of just body him up uh, at the top of the route where you see the tight ends push off of him a lot and then they get you know open. We saw it. Um, you know, last year versus Njoku, even though that might have been a, you know, PI on, you know, both players, but um, saw it multiple times last year, still seeing it this, this year where the, te- the, the technique or the backpedal um, with some of his fluidity and in, in his, in his footwork um, and just overall, um, you know, with knowledge of how to play tight ends. But if you're going to get physical tight ends on any route, it, you don't want it to be at the top of the route because tight ends, Obviously, they're big, and just like a train, you have to get going a little bit. So um, at the top of the route, that's going to have their full momentum. So if you're really going to try to body him up at the top of the route, you're just never going to win unless you're a massive, you know, unless you're a linebacker. And Jamal Adams is not a linebacker, so you see him frequently get beat with that. But if you are going to body them up, you want to get them at the line of scrimmage. You want to get into their face at the line of scrimmage. That's why you see a guy like Eric Berry, you know, when he's not hurt, um, do well against Rob Gronkowski um, because he, he gets in his face at the line of scrimmage, doesn't let him build up that momentum and that power. Um, which takes away his effective, you know, their, their effectiveness. So Jamal Adams has to learn little things like that, uh, a little bit too aggressive in coverage where he, he will leave his zone undoubtedly. Um, he'll make some great plays in coverage as well, but it's just too far. Um, it's, it's too you know, few and far between to, to call him a generational talent because in coverage, uh, I, I still worry about him at times. So, yeah, great in the run game, just okay in the pass game. So I think that seven to twelve range, you know, you know, fits him. It, now, if he gets better technique-wise, he learns a little bit more about coverage. He kind of hones in that aggressiveness, learns how to use that aggressiveness um, in his coverage. Then, yeah, you could talk about him as a top three to five guy. But you know, that's not the case yet. He still has time to grow. 
um, obviously he's a young player only being his second year, but to call him, you know, all pro generational type guys, it's, it's false at this point. All right. Final question before we let you go, knowing the Jets' salary cap situation, the state of their current offense and uh, Sam Darnold's situation right now, what is your reaction? If on the first day of free agency, the Jets give Le'Veon Bell, uh, let's call mm-hmm. it a three-year contract that pays him $17 million a year that has a reasonable out after the second or even the third year. Yeah, and I've heard that number, the $17 million thing. I, you know you know better than I do. You've been doing this for a long time. That's posturing. I don't necessarily think he's going to get $17 million a year, so maybe it's like 15 But even if, for, you know, for the sake of argument, let's call it $17 million a year, we talked about some of the guys that McCagnan brought in for, you know, Donald and um, – it's not always, you know, easy to just sign for agents. It's kind of it's, it's easier than it sounds because guys like Allen Robinson, if you were him, would you rather go to the Jets or you know play with the Bears? So it's not just like it's, you know, I'm not completely killing McCagnon on this, even though I, I don't love McCagnon. I actually want him to to go. Like, you know, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. But the main weapons he brought in for Donald this year, like you said before, extremely disappointing. Crowell, um, Spencer Long, who's been just as bad, if not worse, than Wesley Johnson this year, which is saying a lot because at least Wesley Johnson can snap a ball um, to a quarterback who's not under center. So, uh, and then you have Terrell Pryor, who is was cut by the Jets and cut by the Bills, who have absolutely no receiver talent. So, um, can the Jets bring in any more talent next year? Where if Le'Veon Bell, you know, um, signs another team, who else is really out there for the Jets to sign? You want to make it as easy, as easy as you possibly can for your young quarterback to develop. And if that means overpaying for a running back for a couple of years, I'm completely fine with it. I, I, I really am. Um, if it helps Donald, I'm, I'm completely down for it. There's not a ton of offensive linemen in this free agency class that the Jets are going to spend big money on. There's not a ton of receivers that I really see that are going to shake free. So do you want to go into the offseason and let Le'Veon Bell walk and then sign a couple of, you know, role-player type guys, and the offense may, looks pretty much the same unless, you know, you grab a receiver in the first or second round, but they're still not going to make as much of a difference as Le'Veon Bell, who, you know, obviously, yeah, he's 27 years old. He has he has a lot of miles on the tires, um, but he also just had a full year off in football. Um, and it's kind of like the Kirk Cousins situation last year, I've heard people compare it to it. I think it's a good situation or a good comparison where you're seeing a generational-type talent um, hit the free agency market for, you know, reasons other than football where Kirk Cousins, you know, got franchise tagged twice, didn't want to come back to the Redskins. And Le'Veon Bell is, you know, obviously he's a little bit of a head case in the locker room and things like that. But I think it's a gamble that the Jets need to take. I think it also helps a little bit that he's a Jets fan. Maybe he, um, you know, reacts better and plays better for the Jets and shows up. And I'm, I'm sure if the Jets pay him $17 million, he'll have no problem in doing so. Um, but you have to help Donald. There's his, his main weapons right now are average at best. Crowell is bad. The offensive line is bad. Um, so he has no running game. And then, you know, you look at the Jets receiver core, who we were banging the drum the entire offseason that, you know, listen, they're, they're overlooked. Now, we're saying they're overlooked because they were looked at as one of the worst receiver cores in the entire NFL, which we disagreed with. I, I would say the Jets probably used their full potential or in the low 20s, you know, 21, 22, um, in terms of their like receiver core, um, you know, at least to start the year, you know, Jimmy Curse has been a big disappointment. Um, that's still not enough for Sam Donald with what else is surrounding him. So if you can bring in a player who is arguably the number one, two, or three best back in the NFL and, and probably a top five overall, you know, offensive player in the league, not counting quarterbacks, um, for your young quarterback who's going to be going through second year at 22 years old, I don't see how you cannot do that. 
the guy can literally do every single thing um, under the sun, whether he could split out wide as a, as an X, as a, as an H, as a Z, he could, he'd run routes better than most receivers on the Jets can. Uh, he can run between the tackles. He'd run outside of the tackles. Now, the only thing that I'm going to preface this by saying is with Bell, he's a great running back. But if you watch Bell, he needs a, he needs a good offensive line. He needs a better offensive line than the Jets have. Um, so they need to address that with him because he's such a patient runner that he waits for gaps to open up. Or he, he, yeah, he waits for gaps to open up where he'll, he'll press the A gap, the B gap, the C gap, and he'll wait for, you know, the, the, the three tech or the two tech to leave that A gap, then he'll bounce into it. So he's really good at running patiently. But the thing with the Jets line is it's so bad that if a hole is, is, is open, you really have to hit it as fast as you possibly can because it's going to close and no other holes are going to open up. So that's my only worry with him is his patient running style doesn't fit with a bad offensive line. So if they do bring in Bell, they have to address in the offensive line. And listen, yeah, we all want an outside linebacker, and I, I sure as hell do, you know, as well. Um, but it, but like I said, if they, if they bring in Bell, they have to get, you know, maybe like a paradis from um, the Broncos draft an offensive tackle or guard, and not a lot of guard, an offensive tackle in the first round because you need to maximize Bell. You need to maximize Darnold. Um, hopefully you bring in, you know, bring him another receiving threat. But I think, you know, Bell is the, is the first step of one, helping Donald, and two, honestly, if you're an offensive lineman um, and Bell is here, do you want to come and play for the Jets with Bell? Or would you, you know, would that entice you a little bit more than coming to play with the Jets with Crowell and McGuire? You know, so I think that's going to bring in other free agents as well, see that the Jets are serious. So I, I think if you're saying no to Bell, um, I, 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 don't, I, I don't get it, even though, like, with you, I, I agree, you know, running backs um, are a dime a dozen, but generational running backs are not necessarily a diamond dozen, I guess. I and mean, they don't really just, you know, hit the free agency market like Bell is this year, uh, still at a young age. So, All right. Thank you for joining us, Joe. Everyone give him a follow on Twitter at JoeRB31. Of course, also make sure to subscribe to the Turn on the Jets YouTube channel. That's Turn on the Jets TV uh, to see weekly film review breakdowns from Joe and also subscribe on iTunes if you want to listen to the audio version of it. Joe, thank you for joining us. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you, you know, soon, I'm sure. Absolutely.